The Advanced Route is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. On this week's episode of The Advanced Route, we're going to be talking about three huge Week 13 games. And if you want to go to 49ers Ravens, Vikings Seahawks, or Patriots Texans, chances are you'll be able to find tickets on the GameTime app. Not just sports, you'll also be able to find concerts, theater, whatever you're looking for, any event you want to go to, there's a good chance you'll be able to find it on GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello, everyone. What's up? Welcome in to the Advanced Route. And let us here at the Advanced Route be maybe not the first, but hopefully one of the first to wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving week to those of us at the Advanced Route and at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by my co-host on the Advanced Route, Emery Hunt. We're about 48 hours away from the holiday, but happy Thanksgiving to you, Emery. Happy Thanksgiving, Mike, to you and yours. And always a pleasure to be here on the show. Yeah, we've got uh, another good show for you. We are uh, making sure we hit all of our podcasts still here at The Athletic to uh, give you a full buffet, not just of food, but of football goodness for the Thanksgiving week. You can follow, you can follow Emery on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. You can get me at M. Beller. Be sure to check out The Athletic slash The Advanced Route for 40% off a subscription. It's holiday time, so if you are listening to us in the free universe, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it might be, not a bad gift to give uh, to the sports lover in your life, even if it is just yourself and you want to treat yourself to a little bit of a uh, athletic holiday gift. Go ahead and do that. The athletic to come slash the advanced route. We are doing a special all decade retrospective here at the athletic this week uh, across the entire website, be it our print work, our podcast work. We are doing 2010s teams, whether it's, you know, the uh, best Baltimore Ravens of the 2010s or the best college basketball players of the 2010s. I participated in one of these, the all fantasy football 2010s team, a special edition of the ranking show with me, Brandon Funston and Jake Seeley. That is available for you right now. Best fantasy quarterback, two best fantasy running backs, three best fantasy receivers, the best fantasy tight end. We also threw a flex onto that team, the best of the 2010s. You can find that right now, a special edition of the ranking show. And be sure to check out our entire suite of all decade teams here at The Athletic this week. A great way to spend some of your Thanksgiving weekend with that. Emery, we are ready to turn our attention to week 13, the last week of your typical fantasy football regular season. So this is a big one, Emery, in the fantasy football world. And we're going to stick with the plan that we've had the last few weeks, looking at the biggest games on the slate. And yet again, we are treated to a great slate in week 13 with three standout games. The first one, maybe it is a Super Bowl preview, San Francisco and Baltimore getting together in Baltimore, of course, we saw this matchup, very different personnel, but this exact team matchup in the Super Bowl a few years back, maybe we're getting it again here in 2019-2020 uh, for when the actual Super Bowl would be, but we know we're getting it this week. Week 13 should be a great matchup between these two teams, and I want to start, Emery, with 49ers offense 
versus Ravens defense. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo put together a few good games now, three good games in the last four weeks. Two of those came against Arizona, but then had another good game against a tougher defense in Green Bay, getting the win for the 49ers in Week 12. How do you think he matches up against this Baltimore defense? It's going to be interesting because you look at the Ravens defensively, they've gotten better over the course of the last seven weeks. And one big addition was Marcus Peters and getting back Jimmy Smith healthy. That has allowed the secondary to be able to match up across the board and take away a lot of options in the passing game, which in conjunction with their ability to apply pressure now, because that was something that they wasn't able to do. And now you're starting to see the rookie Jalen Ferguson get after the quarterback a little bit more. They become a little bit more stout versus the run. So their defense is playing a lot better uh, since Peters got there and since Jimmy Smith got back healthy. So I think this defense provides a unique challenge. They will provide the same challenge to me that the Seahawks provided to this 49ers offense. So I don't trust Garoppolo against this defense. Are any of those corners you think going to be responsible for George Kittle, or, or is there going to be a different game plan in place for this Baltimore defense to handle the guy who is, we know, ball, or San Francisco, excuse me, their most dangerous pass catcher? You know, that's a great question because that's, to me, I, I would say 2B, their best target because, you you know, you look at or so their, their most dangerous threat. Um, I was, Sorry, 1B, because you look at their any one of the receivers, I would, I would say – Debo Samuel will be the the one threat that you have to worry about, but also you have to worry about Kittle. And if you're Baltimore, how do you game plan against him? Do you put a you know a linebacker on him? Do you try to bracket him with a with an outside backer or uh, use one of your safeties as as a combo guy against him? So there's different ways they can do it. I would be interested to see how they do it because if you look at a lot of these teams, the tight end position really hadn't been a, a factor against Baltimore. Um, and so this would be to, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this would be one of the first matchups where they have to face a good tight end. So I'll be interested to see how how it works. I would more in, I, I would be more inclined to trust him as opposed to any receiver in this game offensively for San Francisco. Yeah, got to believe he's going to be a major part, even more so. I mean, George Kittle's George Kittle, right? He's going to be a major part of San Francisco's game plan every single week. But because of the unique challenges these corners provide – Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, because of the fact that they can go three deep at the corner position with a lot of confidence, then maybe George Kittle gets an even larger share of the passing game than he is going to get every single week. What about uh, San Francisco's run game against Baltimore's defense? Uh, we know uh, what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. We know that this is a a zone run scheme and a scheme that has worked quite well for San Francisco all season, pretty much no matter who's been in the backfield do, does Baltimore's defense present any unique challenges to San Francisco's rushing attack, or is this just going to be business as usual for the 49ers? I think it's going to be business as usual, but Baltimore, to me, has a, a very good defensive front. You saw the Rams try to run their outside zone, and it wasn't able to work because Baltimore did a great job of setting the edge, and I think that's the key right there. So San Francisco will come in wanting to run the football, but Baltimore can get them out of that game plan pretty quickly with how they attack the run game. Yeah, it's gonna. It's just. Uh, it's a fascinating um, uh, matchup on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, both of these teams' strengths are on the other side of the equation in this game. Baltimore's offense, San Francisco's defense, but still, uh, it's interesting. You said Baltimore's defense has gotten a whole lot better since they got Jimmy Smith back healthy and made the Marcus Peters trade. Uh, I think San Francisco's offense has started to coalesce a little bit. They're never going to be uh, the main course of that team. 
but we've saw, we've seen strong performances from both the passing game and the running game uh, over the last couple of weeks. They're getting healthy. They've got Debo Samuel broken out. So definitely going to be an interesting subplot to this game, 49ers offense versus Ravens defense. But obviously, Emery, come on, the other side of this, Lamar Jackson and company against this San Francisco defense, that's really what we're all tuning in for. So first and foremost, um, we know Lamar Jackson is – virtually uncontainable with the way that he's playing right now. What were the 49ers try to do, though, to do their best to slow him down? Collapse a pocket around him, and you saw them do that against Aaron Rodgers, and the reason why they're able to do that is they have tremendous length up front. When you have length up front, uh, you get back there. You're, let's say it may take you. Know, you. How tall are you? I am 6'1 and change. So I'm 5'10". So it, let's say if we're both playing defensive line, it will probably take me three steps to get to the quarterback. It will take you two. And so the, the reason why I brought that up is when you look at the length of San Francisco, they can do a great job of quickly collapsing the pocket with those uh, lengthy defensive linemen they have across the front. So they're going to try to play push versus pressure, keep him bottled up, and and try to eliminate the possibility of him escaping out of the pocket. So he's either going to have to step up or get rid of the football quickly because if he's going to step up, there's a six-foot-six defensive lineman right there clogging a lane as well so I think that's going to be the strategy it was working to perfection against Aaron Rodgers we know Aaron Rodgers is is a different type of quarterback athletic though but not Lamar Jackson athletic and so we'll see how the Ravens come out and attack this uh, from an offensive standpoint maybe they'll move the pocket you may see a lot more sprint outs or you just may see them try to run the football downhill against San Francisco and turn those pass rushers into run defenders Saw a lot of that uh, against the Rams uh, uh, last night on Monday Night Football. Obviously, to great success, another big game for Mark Ingram. Um, because of that, because of what San Francisco can do, uh, you just mentioned, is Mark Ingram, um, do you think he's in line for just as large of a uh, helping this week as he was last week? I think so. And you also can probably factor in their second back in Gus uh, Edwards and maybe even Justice Hill. We saw a lot of those guys get work you know, last last night. Um, against the Rams, partly because it was a blowout. Uh, and so that's why Justice Hill's carries it was what it, what it was. But I would expect a healthy dose of both Ingram and also Edwards and, and to neutralize you know, what they want to do and try to weaken that defensive pressure and then allow Jackson to throw the football efficiently like he did in that game against the Rams. Because remember, there was one time he was, what, nine for nine? Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to throw much because they were running the football down the throat of Los Angeles. And when he threw, it was effective. He had nine completions and three of them were touchdowns. So I think you may see the same approach against a, a similar type defense in, um, in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Ravens are a third in offensive DVOA. They're fifth in pass first in rush 49ers second in defensive DVOA. Those numbers, of course, courtesy of football outsiders, 49ers have done an excellent job containing every position from a fantasy perspective. But of course they haven't seen a player like Lamar Jackson this season. There's really only one player like him in the NFL. Emery, you said um, what you thought this team would try to do against Lamar Jackson. How well do you think they're actually going to be able to do it? Everybody has a plan until they get hit, right? That's the old (laughs) Mike Tyson quote. So, I mean, yeah, you can come in with a plan. You see people all the time, oh, if they just, you know, know, blitz off the corner or have a spy on the bar. Yeah, all that sounds great to you actually get out there in full game speed and try to do it, and you get gashed for like a 55-yard run, and he slides on the ground. So 
I don't know. I don't think they can, man. It, you know, these are two of the more consistent units we've seen in the NFL, the 49ers defense and the Ravens offense. But a little peek into that uh, 49ers defense, we saw the Cardinals with Kyler Murray probably be the only guy that have that much success in Russell Wilson to have that much success against San Francisco. So that should tell you a mobile quarterback, i.e. Lamar Jackson, should have a lot of success against uh, this 49ers defense. So I don't think the 49ers can come up with a game plan to really uh, you know, slow down Jackson. It'll be up to their offense to score, which is now tougher to do against the Ravens. If they were to play the Ravens maybe in week three, then you could say this could go back and forth. But now I think it'll be tough for San Francisco to move the football as opposed to them trying to stop or contain Lamar Jackson. All right, let's go quick on these last few questions before we move on to our next game. Better fantasy game, George Kittle or Mark Andrews? I think Andrews will have the better game. I think this is the one we will see Andrews, because we didn't really see him get targeted a lot in this one. It was Marquise Brown's day to to get the football. Uh, I think they'll get back to getting the ball to Andrews early to try to, if they're going to throw the football first to set up the run, I think you'll see Andrews get a lot of targets. So that's more because Andrews has a great game, not because Kittle has a bad one. Right. Okay, uh, how about uh, Marquise Brown or Debo Samuel? A little showdown of the rookie wide receivers. You know, that's a good – I think Debo Samuel. I still, I mean, something about Brown, and Brown had – should have had three touchdowns last night. Um, this, it, I, I'm not ready yet for Brown. I think Brown is still not 100%. You saw how uh, quickly he went down just off a push from Jalen Ramsey. It just, he just falls awkwardly. Uh, in my opinion. So I would say Debo Samuel. Okay. Uh, how about Mark Ingram versus whichever 49ers back has the best game? Ingram. Yeah, it seems like an easy one. And then uh, last, certainly not least, Lamar Jackson is averaging 28.3 fantasy points per game to give you the exact uh, real-life numbers. That's a little bit more than 220 passing yards, about two passing touchdowns, about 80 rushing yards, and about half a rushing touchdown per game. Does he go over that 28.3 fantasy points or under it in this game? I think he'll go over. Um the reason why is it seems like the bigger the game, the bigger the challenge, the best he performs. We saw him throw five touchdowns last night. We saw him have a great game against New England. We saw them blow out Houston, him having a big game as well. This is a big game. Everyone's going to be talking about the 49ers defense and how they're going to have a, a great game plan. You're going to see more shots of Robert Saleh than you would have of, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan on the sideline. And you won't see Rob Soleil do all that screaming and hooping and howling on in this game because I don't think they have a chance. I think Baltimore beats the brakes off San Francisco again. All right, that, that was my next question. So you've got the Ravens in in, in a laugher. I, I think it's if we got all worked up for the Texans game, the Rams game, the Patriots game, and they've dominated all of those games. You can even say they dominated the Seahawks game. Uh, so I, I I just don't see how San Francisco's offense can come up with enough to to really uh, make this one close. So I would say Baltimore 30, San Francisco 7. Wow, 30-7. to seven. Another laugher maybe in store for the Baltimore Ravens. And, hey, I don't think any of us would be surprised after what they've been able to do so far this season. Lamar Jackson, clearly the MVP frontrunner at this stage of the year. Let's move on to the Monday night game. Emery, another huge game with major playoff implications. This one with both teams coming out of the NFC. 
Minnesota and Seattle, of course, both uh, still very alive for their division t- uh, um, division crowns. Uh, both of these teams uh, currently sitting in a wild card position. Hard to be- hard to think that either one of them is going to fall out of the playoffs. It is looking like that NFC playoff picture is hardening with San Francisco, Green Bay, uh, these two teams the New Orleans Saints, and then whoever ends up winning the NFC East. Uh, Big game on Monday night between Minnesota and Seattle. Let's start Vikings offense against Seahawks defense. We uh, expect to see Adam Thielen back on the field for the Vikings. He sat out about a month now with that hamstring injury. What's the effect of the the return of Thielen on both Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs? Well, it balances out the offense, and now teams have to worry about essentially two number ones out there in Thielen and and, uh, Diggs. So, it it weakens them defensively. I'm talking about the Seahawks, but it just adds yet another playmaker to your offense and one that is a very good playmaker. Like I said, they're essentially code number ones, which could open things up for Kyle Rudolph, uh, which could open things up for Dalvin Cook. So getting Thielen back just adds a little bit more firepower to the Vikings offense. Yeah, you look at uh, you look at just the, the the stats of this one, and uh, it certainly looks like a mismatch when Minnesota has the ball. The number six team in offensive DVOA, Seattle twenty first in defensive DVOA. Stats and uh, our eyes don't always match up, but that does seem to be the case in this one. It does seem like both of those would lead us into the same direction. We know Minnesota, one of the more effective, explosive offenses in the league. Seattle, maybe not quite as bad as those numbers suggest, but certainly not a defense that any team goes into and is really all that afraid of, especially an offense that has as many diverse weapons as Minnesota does. Uh, How much do you think they lean on Dalvin Cook in this game? Obviously, he's going to be a major part of their game plan every single week. Do you think that he is any larger than usual, less than usual, or just usual Dalvin Cook in this one? I think they'll lean on him more in the passing game than they would in the run game. I think they'll come out and try to throw this football a lot against Seattle. Um, So, when you have two receivers that are very good in Thielen and Diggs and you have a guy in Cook that's very explosive as well, you get him out on a perimeter in the passing game, I think that's how they'll try to attack this defense because Seattle wants to be aggressive. You beat aggressive defenses with quick plays, and they have the, the receivers that are great at, at excelling uh, on back shoulder throws. They have the back that's great, you know, getting the ball quick and, and making something happen, making a guy miss. So I think the Cook's element of this, the cook element of this game will be more in the passing game. And then later on, if they have a lead, they'll go back to the run and try to grind it out with him. But I would say he, he would be uh, one that sh- you should keep an eye on in the passing game more so this week. Okay, very interesting. Obviously, we know Dalvin's always going to be a big guy on the ground, but uh, we'll see if they get him a little bit more involved as a receiver in this one. We've got a couple of big narratives surrounding Kirk Cousins, right? Uh, You always hear Kirk Cousins on the road, avoid Kirk Cousins in primetime, avoid this is both of those, and it is at one of the stadiums that appears to be uh, one of the few true home field advantages with Minnesota going to Seattle. How much stock do you put into that? How much of that is just purely narrative driven? And how much of that is actually real with a player like Kirk Cousins? I think is mainly narrative driven. You know, I don't buy the home and away element. Number one, never have for any team. Um, you are who you are, no matter where you play. And as far as a primetime game or as far as the, you know, uh, game on the road, that to me really doesn't matter. For Kirk Cousins, it's always been about pressure, whether that's pressure of the situation or pressure coming from the opposing defense. He doesn't deal with that very well, and that's always been his M.O., and that's just on tape. 
So, you know, that to me is more of the question mark than playing in Seattle. It's not like the fans get out there actually on the field <laughs> um, and, and you know, getting away. Or it's not like you're playing in altitude where you have to get adjusted for it, but they have oxygen on the sideline. So I think for, for Cousins, it's more can he handle the pressure? Because Seattle will try to hit him early and often, um, and that's going to be key. And if he can, you know, stand in there, take a shot while delivering the football and get back up and, and do it again, then the Seahawks could be in for a long night. If uh, Is this the sort of defense that we should be concerned about being able to consistently get home and make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable? Not really, because a, a, a quarterback that's comparable to Kirk Cousins would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and we saw Garoppolo have, you know, he was a little bit more skittish uh, than Cousins you know, has been. And we, we've seen the best version of Cousins this season. You know, I thought his game against Denver was outstanding. And how he had to come back in that ball game, you know, getting outside the pocket, making some deep throws, aggressive throws downfield. So they're going to have to get to him early. And Cousins does a great job of um, putting the ball on the ground. So if they can get to him, there is a great chance that they could force a turnover. But, you know, Cousins is playing, I think, better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So this could be a big of a, cha- a bit of a challenge for Seattle. All right, let's talk about the other side of this Seattle offense against Minnesota defense. This one feels a little bit more strength on strength, but of course, when you've got Russell Wilson, hard for any defense to match that strength. We did see it uh, just this past week, however, uh, Russell Wilson uh, not having his best game, uh, even though Seattle was able to get a win uh, uh, this uh, in Week 12, uh, but still the fourth-ranked offense in DVOA, the number one pass DVOA offense. So certainly Seattle uh, has been able to bring it more often than not. Minnesota, meanwhile, not the great pass defense that they've been in the past. Do you think this is a big game on tap for Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, maybe even Josh Gordon? I think so, and I like the the Gordon aspect of it too. I mean, first of all, who the, who the hell is Malik Turner? You know, you know, just out of nowhere, just catching deep balls for touchdowns. But, yeah, you're right. I think we're in for a, a good game between Metcalf and, and you know, uh, Josh Gordon. Lockett is always someone that's open on those deep over routes. So could be a bounce-back game for um, Seattle. But you would have thought that going up against an, an Eagles secondary that hasn't been the best. So you, you really don't know. But I, I would be willing to bet that those guys should have a bounce-back game in this matchup. How much of that is explainable, Emery? You know, we've seen Philadelphia get exploited week in, week out through the air. Uh, you come in with Russell Wilson having one of his best seasons uh, in the MVP discussion. Tyler Lockett was dealing with that scary shin injury, but he was fine, totally off the injury report. He was out there for his usual complement of plays. You've got DK Metcalf, you've got Josh Gordon, and then suddenly you know, they can't get it going at all through the air. Obviously, wins were a big factor in that game, but how much of that is explainable beyond it just being, you know, every team, unless you're Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, is going to have a stinker every now and again? Yeah, it's definitely explainable. Sometimes the matchups just doesn't, uh, you know, f- fall in your favor. Sometimes you just may match up differently versus a team. Maybe it was something schematic that the Eagles did that took away a lot of the big plays for um, Russell Wilson. Also, maybe their defensive line just was a better matchup against the Seahawks offensive line. That also created some problems as well, some angst. So sometimes it just happens. You can't explain it. Uh, you saw the Falcons do that against New Orleans, just dominated the Saints. And then you come back two weeks later and they can't stop Jameis Winston in that passing game. So you never really know. Um, sometimes it, it really does boil down to matchups and, uh, and it could be matchups personnel wise or schematic. 
Chris Carson uh, put the ball on the ground yet again in that game last week. His 10th fumble, Emery, of the season. We saw Rashad Penny. Jones, like. Yeah, right. I mean, it is just, it, it clearly is a problem. And then Rashad Penny comes in, uh, has that, rips off that huge touchdown run, ended the day with 129 yards and that score on 14 carries. How much do you think we're going to see of Rashad Penny in this one? Uh, do we? Th- do you think we're trending more toward a 50-50 backfield at this point? I would hope so because I'm a Rashad Penny fan. I like how he has that explosive element to his game. You don't see that from Chris Carson. The problem is Penny has to you know, prove to be consistent in all areas of the game in order for Coach to trust him to put him out there. Um, if he does that in conjunction with Carson putting the ball on the ground, then you'll see more of Penny. But Penny also has to make sure he's apt in pass pro, um, that he's able to break some tackles and not go down if someone just slaps his ankle. He has to be a little bit more consistent. But if last week was of any indication, you can't deny the fact that he's an explosive talent. He's their most explosive back and gives you that element of hitting a home run every time. So I would hope so. But, you know, from an analyst standpoint, I can't even say yay or nay because we may see Chris Carson go back out there again and get the lion's share of carries. I never know with uh, Pete Carroll, even though he is one of those coaches who definitely uh, will punish a guy, put a guy in his doghouse for fumbles. He's been very loyal to Chris Carson. All right, uh, one more question, then I'm going to ask you some better fantasy games. Uh, What can the Vikings do to counteract Russell Wilson's strengths? Keep him in the pocket. And and I'm not saying that to where uh, we don't think he can beat you from the pocket, but the problem is when they extend the play, and Russell Wilson has great field vision, so he extends the play, and he's looking for touchdowns. He's not looking to extend it and dump it off to the tailback. He's looking to try to hit a home run. So if they keep him in the pocket, they can do a great job of minimizing those shot play opportunities, force him to slowly work his way down the field, because if you allow him to escape and extend, your DBs can't cover um, you know, for longer than a couple of few, you know, a few seconds, and Russell Wilson definitely can get the ball deeper uh, wherever he wants to. All right, Emery, better fantasy game, Wilson or Cousins? Wilson, I think, because you the because of the running element. I think he'll escape a, a few and uh, pick up some first downs. All right. How about uh, uh, we're going to assume Chris Carson still has his uh, somewhat meaty role, even with Rashad Penny. Chris Carson or Dalvin Cook? Cook because of the versatility. How about Chris Carson plus Rashad Penny versus Dalvin Cook? I still say Dalvin Cook. <laughs> yeah, I like because again, you don't you you don't know what you don't know who a penny penny may see five plays. You never know. Right, right, absolutely. Um, how about uh, whichever Vikings receiver has the better game, Diggs or Thielen? Just take the number one Vikings receiver versus Tyler Lockett. Who has the better one? Best Vikings receiver. Um, all right, and who ends up taking the W in this huge NFC clash? I think the Seahawks win a close one. I think this one will come down to a field goal, so I like Seattle. All right, the home team, Seattle, which should be a great way to cap off our uh, extended Thanksgiving weekend and week 13 with this Monday night football game. Last game I want to talk about on this episode of the Advanced Route, and then we'll let you go and start getting ready for Thanksgiving, Emery. It is New England and Houston. Uh, we keep wanting, or maybe, let me let me rephrase, I keep wanting to dog New England. I keep wanting you know, to, uh, to to bet on all these other teams are going to be able to get them. Baltimore did. 
Dallas did not. Uh, they were able to suffocate that Dallas offense. Let's start on that side of the ball because it is, I think, a lot more interesting to talk Texans offense and Patriots defense than vice versa. Uh, what do the Patriots, excuse me, what do the Texans do to counteract what has been such a strong New England defense this season? They they will have to make sure they hit their layups. You know, um, the short passing game can work to really. Uh, slow down what New England wants to do. And then when they take those deep shots, then, you know, those are up in the air. Those, let those be 50-50. Uh, but if they can hit their their uh, layups, I think they have a great chance of moving this football at will against this Patriots defense. I think they could have success. The Cowboys had a good game plan, in my opinion. The weather just didn't cooperate to where it took away mm-hmm. a lot of what they wanted to do throwing the football. The Texans pose the same problem. They can get out there and spread and really – take advantage throwing the football against this secondary. I know the secondary has been very good, but the Texans don't shy away from anyone throwing the football, and they're going to try to throw it consistently in this game. I think they have an opportunity to get that done, considering they're going to be in ideal conditions in Houston. Uh, you and I have talked about um, things along this uh, line of thinking where I'm about to take us many times. I think I know what you're going to say, uh, but DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Gilmore, uh, one of the best wide receiver corner matchups you could possibly ask for across the entire NFL. If you are Houston, you let DeAndre be DeAndre. You still going to get him the ball 8, 10, 12 times in this one, or are you going to maybe try to exploit other matchups? No, nah, you go to DeAndre, and then you go to everybody else. You, uh, The unique part about what the Houston Texans do and DeAndre Hopkins is one of those guys, they can move him around. They don't have to keep him, you know, exclusively on the outside. So they they don't have a problem with moving him inside. He doesn't have a problem playing in the slot as well. So when you have that flexibility, you can move him inside, try to see if they're going to move Gilmore with him. If not, then, you know, you have an ideal matchup with DeAndre Hopkins over someone else. But I think the Texans have that speed that you have to worry about and that speed with I'm talking about Steels and also um, uh, Fuller that allows you to the opportunity affords you the opportunity to move a guy like Hopkins around to find an ideal matchup. So if Hopkins is out there, throw it to him. It doesn't matter who's covering him; he's going to do a good job of getting open. If you were Bill Belichick, would you want to move Gilmore inside with Hopkins? I would. I, I would. I, I would trust my number one guy against their number one guy. I would try to, you know, shadow him and move him around and, you know, trust that he can make a play. He can make it work. He can, you know, deal with space around him, not having to deal with the sideline. So I would trust my best against their best. And, it's you know, it's a matchup game. And if that's your best matchup, then ride with that all the way. You know, the best uh, wide receiver performances uh, that we've seen against New England this season, these guys all have something pretty obvious in common. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cole Beasley, Golden Tate, Randall Cobb. These guys all play out of the slot. They've all had the bet. They've had the, if you look at the most fantasy points, most yards, however you want to define it, uh, no matter what it is, it has been by slot receivers. How does Houston take advantage of that? Well, you look at their number one slot guy, and he's a he's a not just your random slot guy, he's a touchdown maker. And that's Will Fuller. Fuller's ability to hit, you know, the the deep ball or hit the home run, so to speak, is exactly what you want. So, you know, they can work the tight ends, they can work Hopkins in a short to intermediate game. Cutie is another one that, you know, is listed as their slot guy, so they can get him some short passes, but their true slot guy is a is a um Tyler Lockett clone. Uh, and Will Fuller. So getting the ball to Will Fuller, moving him around, I think that's going to be where they're trying to 
hit, you know, go to uh, hit those chunk plays in the passing game. Is there anything um, in that same vein that would lead you to believe that maybe we see a little bit more Duke Johnson in this one? I'm always for more more Duke Johnson, but he's like Rashad Penny to me. You know, you don't know what the coaches are thinking when they don't use Duke Johnson because it would seem logical to have him out there often. You know, it would also seem logical to have him and Hyde on the field at the same time. So I don't know what you'll what you're gonna get from Duke Johnson because we mean we we may not see him a lot. You know, it's mm-hmm. tough. Um, all right, we, we know the one loss that New England has this season came to the Ravens. It was in Baltimore. Uh, Ravens absolutely dominated that game, won 37-20. In that game, Lamar Jackson completed 17 of 23 passes for 163 yards, a little bit more than seven yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Also ran for two scores and 61 yards. We know that Houston uh, doesn't use Watson on the ground the way that Baltimore uses Lamar. We also know that Watson, as great as he is running the ball, you know, no one's Lamar when it comes to running the ball as a quarterback. But can they somewhat follow the Lamar Jackson blueprint that Baltimore used to get at this New England defense? Nah, I think they're more – I think Watson is more Wilson than he is Lamar. Okay. Um. So with, with Watson, he's about escaping and extending and breaking tackles and, again, finding somebody deep down the field. Their run game is not set up the same way Baltimore's run game mm-hmm. is. They don't have the backs to where, you know what, yeah, let's lean on that on that defense and – and run the football. They don't have the offensive line that's, you know, similar to Baltimore with those two big mammoth tackles that dominate in the run game, in addition to being solid in pass pro. So their entire offensive line and run game is, is set up differently. Plus their quarterback is more of a escape artist as opposed to a true running threat. Uh, yeah, he can pick up yards and chunks. He can pick up big yards uh, on the ground, but he's more of an extender and not one that's just a, a legit threat like Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I do want to ask you a little bit about New England's uh, offense before we uh, tie a bow on this and pack it in. Just twenty point, or excuse me, thirty points in their last two games. They were both wins, but seventeen against Philadelphia, thirteen against Dallas. You mentioned the the uh, the bad conditions in that New England Dallas game certainly hampered both offenses. You then they had the bye before that. Then the week before that was the Baltimore game where they put up twenty points, not a huge number, in a loss. Um, what's up with this New England offense? They can't run a ball anymore, and I think that has caused their passing game to struggle. Um, the run game isn't what it was, and you know you see how important their fullback James Devlin is and, and what he brings to the table. Because when he was out there, that was that was part of their run game and a guy that really opened things up. So they're trying to rely on a one-handed offense, and I think you know the passing game is. It's going to be good. I like how Nikhil Harry is developing. I like what they have in the undrafted free agent, Jacoby Myers. So I think the passing game is fine, but can they run the ball? Now, they'll get Isaiah Wynn back um, in this matchup, so we'll see if that if that makes a difference. Or he played last week, I'm sorry. They got him back against the Cowboys. But, you know, I, I think their biggest issue is the fact that they can't run the ball and they don't have a tight end that really threatens them uh, in a passing game. Now, you know, they use Gronk in a run game. He was tremendous. But he was also tremendous in the passing game. So without those who Devlin and Gronkowski, this is a different offense. We you mentioned to kill Harry and Jacoby Myers. Harry had that acrobatic touchdown catch, flashing what his upside is going to be one day. Uh, Jacoby Myers had like nine targets in that game, seventy something yards. Part of that, obviously, a function of the fact that both Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett were out with injuries, could get one, if not both of them back in this game. Do you think that those two returning 
zeroes out Harry and Myers' role, or do you think we're going to see more of those guys in this game and going forward? I think we're going to see more of them going forward because they are both bigger receivers that can play any one of the three spots. So you're going to see them utilize their big-bodied receivers in Sanu, uh, Myers, and Harry. I think those guys are starting to get into a more of a groove trust-wise with, with Tom Brady. So we'll see them more down the stretch. All right, time for a better game here. Emery, uh, Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady? Watson. Easy one, right? Yeah, that was an easy one. <laughs> and his passing numbers, too. His, his passing numbers is going to be ridiculous. Okay, how about uh, Sony Michelle or Carlos Hyde? Man, I would say push, but um, <laughs> I would probably lean toward Hyde. Are you saying push and it's both going to be ugly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, had a had a feeling that's uh, that's uh, the direction that we were headed in. How about the uh, pass catching backs in this game, James White or Duke Johnson? I'll roll with White in this one. I think White is severely underrated. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, first of all, you're never going to hear me say anything bad about a Wisconsin Badger, so I'm totally with you uh, on James White <laughs> there. Uh, what Shout was, out to Brian Calhoun. Uh, yeah, well. I was in school with Brian Calhoun. That's uh, that's one that uh, really tugs at the heartstrings uh, for me. I can hear the, the echoes of two for him when uh, you know, I get number two and the two fingers up from everyone in the student section. Absolutely love Brian Calhoun. Uh, but uh, James, well, how did the Cowboys uh, keep him so quiet last week? The weather. And the Cowboys have that speed and athleticism to, to get sideline to sideline. You talk about Jalen Smith um, doing what he does. Sean Lee, good instincts. Uh, so they did a great great job in just playing aggressive sideline-to-sideline defense. All right, last one, and I think I know where you're going with it, but I got to ask anyway, DeAndre Hopkins versus Julian Edelman. What are you talking about, PPR or standard? Because, you know, PPR is going to be Edelman all day, but overall I would say Hopkins. Okay, and uh, the winner of this game, is it New England going to 11-1 and or the Patriots, or excuse me, the Texans getting themselves a huge win? It'll be the Texans getting themselves a huge Ooh. win and putting Baltimore number one in the AFC. So I think the Texans, because of their passing game, you know, really will give New England a problem. I think Deshaun Watson, who has given Bill Belichick problems before throwing the football. Now, this is a different defense, but I think Watson has success against the New England Patriots. I love it. I love the call. And I got to ask you one more thing as a football fan, pure football fan, forget the analyst, forget about whatever else might be um, acting on things. Just pure football fan. How badly do you want uh, Baltimore and Kansas City to be on opposite sides of the AFC playoff bracket so we can get that as the AFC championship game? No, I, you know what game I truly want to see? What's that? I want to see Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I want to see Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I like how Pittsburgh's defense is, so I want to see that great matchup. Um, but I also would want to see Baltimore and New England again because right now you see people saying, about Baltimore, oh, if you give Bill Belichick a second chance to to play, you know, so you want to kill that that uh, myth right there. But I think from a pure pressure standpoint, with how Pittsburgh's defense has gotten better, I want to see that matchup again. Have Have they already had both of their regular season matchups? I can't remember off the top of my head. No, they've only had the one in Pittsburgh, so the second one will be in Baltimore. All right, nice. Well, uh, we can at least look forward to it there. And hey, with the way that uh, six seed in the AFC is shaking out, maybe we will see it in the playoffs as well. That's going to do it for us here on the advanced route. Thank you so much for listening to us both this week and all season long. If you are listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it might be for free, please take a minute or two to rate 
review and subscribe to the show. It really does help us out. So we really would appreciate if you could take uh, that time and give us those three favors. Thank you for listening to us here. Emery, thank you as always for what you do. And again, happy Thanksgiving, my man. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Always a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there as well. Emery and I will be back here at the same time next Tuesday to give you another episode of the Advanced Route. Until then, have a great week. Have a great holiday. For Emery Hunt, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening.